Imagine buying bare land in Alaska and building your own farm from the ground up. Imagine raising cows and chickens there and growing virtually all your own food. Imagine doing this whilst also being a mum to three youngsters, two of whom are baby twins, and having a partner who works a job away from home. Today, Andrea talks to Amanda Callahan, the lady who's doing just that. Hear her share how her farm developed, how she manages it, the chores, and her young family, and lots and lots about the nourishing food she feeds her children. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen Podcast with Allison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea living on a newly created family farm in Northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to be interviewing my friend and kind of, you're such an inspiration to me, Amanda, Um, but her name is Amanda (laughs) and I have so many questions for you, Amanda. I mean, we voice memo each other about a hundred times a day, but (laughs) yeah. So welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Thanks. It's really fun to be here. Yeah. It's the first for me. So see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm already dropping things. So that's a great start. Um, <laughs> Allison isn't here because we would be working with a lot of time zones at that point. So um, she's going to listen to us on replay. <laughs> so Amanda, you know, the first thing we always ask, um, you know, just for the listener to know me and Amanda have like, I don't know how many drinks do we have between the two of us? yeah <laughs> we're like chugging off yeah. tea um uh yeah but I was gonna ask you Amanda what's the last thing you ate before we started recording um so I just had breakfast and I had a I made an egg and cheese sandwich that I grilled and pressed on cast iron pan what with hold on, hold on. <laughs> yes. like you put it on a pan and put a pan on top? No, actually, I just got this, like one of those grill pans, the Le Creuset ones with the griddle on top. Yeah, I just got one for like $40 from one of my milk customers. She was getting rid of it. And I was like, heck yes, I will buy that. (laughs) And then she even gave me the like heavy cast iron press that you stick on top that has like the handle, like the log. Like the bacon press situation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome. So I just fried a couple of duck eggs and then put them on with some, I think I used, I just made chev. So with some like raw chev. And then also I broke into some cheddar that I made and I put that on there. And then I just made, grilled it. And so it was all melty and delicious and put raw butter on it and... (laughs) And I had a glass of raw milk with it. I'm really like, didn't plan this, but I'm totally scoring and like hitting all the marks for this meal right now. <laughs> I'm like, checkbox, I don't even checkbox. know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is yeah. the chef, is that goat? Like that has yeah. to be goat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, no, it's, 
I've made it from cow's milk though, but it's, I did look it up and there's another name for cows and I can't remember what it is now, but there's a different name for soft cow's cheese, but it's like the same. I don't know, but I make it the same way and it's, it's kind of like cream cheese basically. Oh, well, but it doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Um, no, just so everybody knows, really easy. <laughs> Amanda has kids. I have kids. We're recording in like late morning. I usually record with Allison at six o'clock in the morning or earlier. <laughs> and <laughs> you may or may not hear some noise in the background. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. trying to be quiet, but we all know how that goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Amanda, can you tell me a little bit about your, like, People listening can go check out your Instagram, but tell us about you, the farm, what you guys are doing out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. What yeah, did you so build? Home- How long have you been there? <laughs> yeah, we're in um, we're in Homer, Alaska, and we actually just bought forty acres of raw, which is undeveloped land. People call it treed land, I guess, in some places. But um, 40 acres of land in 2020. And so we had just decided to start over because we had already built a small farm from nothing. Like we started with raw land prior to that. Yeah. And we'd been there for like five years. (laughs) And um, yeah, we just decided we wanted to expand. And so 2020 came and we decided that we were doing this. And so we moved into a fifth wheel on our, uh, on our property. Ashton put the road in and everything. And then we just parked it. And, um, I think that was in April. And so we did that and we've just been here since like expanding and developing it. It's been a lot of work and, uh, it's been quite the journey. (laughs) That summer was pretty wild. This is like a lot of big things happened that year. Well, maybe you should tell people (laughs) how many kids you had during that time. (laughs) So, yeah. So I was pregnant when we decided to move. um, And we were playing. I had had a home birth with my first baby. And so I was planning another home birth. Um, And so it was just me and my two-year-old at the time in the trailer. And Ashton was commercial fishing in Kodiak. So we also commercial fish in the summer times. So he took our boat and was in Kodiak. And then our boat sank that summer. Um, yeah, like a couple months Oy. into the season. Yeah, it was really heartbreaking because we were so doing really well. Yeah, we were doing really well. He was he was doing a great job. And um, we just like put so much into that boat because he built it basically the way he wanted. I mean, he made a bunch of custom changes to it like stretched it widened it he like redid all the hydraulics anyways not to get into it but he put a lot into it and uh finally had it dialed in and then he was fishing one day and was just really weighted down he was loaded with fish and so he was sitting lower in the water and he got pulled into a tide rip and the waves were just crashing over the stern and so he thought he thought that they were gonna be okay for a bit, and then he opened the engine room, and it was completely flooded. And he told me that he just turned and looked at his crew, and he's like, "Well, you guys ready to bail?" And they were like, "What?" Because they didn't didn't believe him. And then he said, one of his deckhands went to run in the cabin to grab his stuff, and he was like, "No," he's like, "Do not go in the cabin." And he said, within 
like a minute of him saying that or 30 seconds of him saying that that the boat started to roll and so then they jumped out onto like when you say and you always have a skiff yeah (laughs) you always have a skiff with you so they jumped into the skiff and they were trying to cut he was ashton was trying to cut the skiff free which oh by the way is our brand new skiff that we just built (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) and he couldn't cut it free because all he could reach was chain and so then the skiff started to sink with the boat and then Mm a guy that was fishing nearby came and picked him up. So it was like, they were just just in a pocket of really bad current. And so there was boats around. So luckily, like nobody went into the water and they got picked up. But um, yeah, I was in the trailer in the fifth wheel and I got a call from the Coast Guard and they were like, "Um, are you the owner of the Haunted Yo? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, well, his EPIRB is going off, which is like a Coast Guard device that alerts them if it's underwater. Oh, and no. I was like, I was just like, knowing my husband, I was like, mm, okay, well, he probably like broke it and it flung into the water or like, he's just like pretty, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. And then I found out like, nope, the boat actually sank. I was just like, uh, That's so that so was pretty intense. Yeah. And then he came home and then we just got to work building our, um, our shop apartment that we were going to live in. Mm-hmm. And then. And then at 32 weeks, I found out I was having twins and not just one baby. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Yeah. And then they were both breech. So that was a whole situation because I did not want to go to the hospital. It was like the height of COVID. And I was just not a fan of my first was a home birth and I just really wanted another home birth. And so I like scrambled to come up with a new plan. And I had a provider that was willing to support me to have a home birth of breech twins. Um, yeah. And so he was on his way and then my water broke too early. Yeah. Like it broke a day before he was supposed to be coming up and he's like, maybe you can just hold on. And I was like, "Mm, (laughs) no, these, these babies are coming now. (laughs) Um, but I was very fortunate because I did have a, the hospital policy was no breach births. It was like a C-section only policy, but I did have an OB doctor that like supported me. And she was just like, I mean, if you come in pushing, there's, it'll be too late. Kind of like hint, hint. And she's like, and I'll be there. And I just like kind of went over, like, like I didn't want her touching the babies. And I just wanted to like have them as less intervention as possible. And Uh Uh I ended up having them both breach and didn't have any drugs or no interventions when necessary. They were both really healthy. And yeah, it was pretty cool because all the people... Because I had to be in the OR, which is unpleasant, but, you know, yeah. I take what I can get. <laughs> <laughs> Not a real um, homey atmosphere in there. Yeah. But all the people afterwards, the providers, the, like, I don't know. There must have been, like, 16 people in there. And then there was, like, people watching through the window. I was just like, come on. Oh, my God. Yeah, because they were like, oh, my gosh, this girl's going to, like, oh kill God. herself having breech babies. But, um. gravy. But afterwards, like, the environment and the energy was, like, really tense when I arrived, and people were not friendly. They were not kind. They were unhappy that I didn't want, I didn't want drugs. I was, like, literally holding back babies, and they're like, do you want morphine? I was like, no, dude. Like, why? Wow. (laughs) So, um. just didn't fit the bill. I know. And it wasn't, like, I wasn't as manageable because I wasn't going to just be like, okay, yeah, whatever you guys want, whatever makes you guys most comfortable. <laughs> ah. 
An but, ungovernable uh, mother? How can we have that? <laughs> I know. But afterwards, everybody was like, oh, man, I can't believe you did that. You just had two and preach babies and you're superwoman. And I was just like, okay, I mean, it's like can be done. But um, <laughs> but it was cool because I think it removed a little bit of the fear in our community around it, like in our small really? hospital setting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like all the... Um, nurses that I had were like super pumped for me and they're like I'm so glad that you did that and you stood your ground and so mm-hmm. it was cool what I didn't get I feel like in the lower 48 maybe at some hospitals or in a bigger hospital people would have been like you are so lucky you didn't die <laughs> like, <laughs> you know so at least I didn't get yeah. that reaction and it was like yeah. people being supportive of like you I'm so glad that you like stood up for yourself and for your babies mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. was really nice that's awesome for the European listeners, when she says the lower 48, there's 48, oh, yeah. <laughs> 48 of our states that are connected. And then there's Hawaii and Alaska that are just off on themselves. So. Yeah. So I guess that has nothing to do with my farm. That does. So. It has everything to do Sorry with your farm. <laughs> um, it has everything to do with it. You know, it's part of why you guys are doing what you're doing. And to think that, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I must have encountered you not long after you got that farm, right? Because um, we got our property in April, 2020 also. So same mm-hmm. time. Um, and I feel like we started yeah, I, talking about it somewhere around 2020, right? Yeah. I remember, I was just thinking the other day that I remember walking around and taking videos of like the root cellar we were building uh-huh. and like yeah, all the, yes. the greenhouse and sending them to you. And you were like, Those Oh, so cool. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was really cool. Oh, that was That's awesome. Funny. And, um, your husband also works full time, like mine does too. So yeah, that means you and I both do a lot of the day-to-day stuff that happens out here. So yeah, um, very, uh, pioneer of you guys, <laughs> especially since your boat sank that just, yeah, you are, you, a yeah. if you didn't like lose something enormous like that. I know. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. I feel so bad for him. He misses it, but uh, yeah, I'm, he does. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's like his passion. He wants, he really wants to get back into it, but maybe, I don't know. I'm happy that he's around. <laughs> the kids yeah, are small, to be honest, as much as he's, yeah, as much as he's bummed, but yeah, he totally. works building houses full time and he works like a lot. Yeah, He builds, I don't know. He's really fast and just like, He's really, I'm just, he's probably just really tired of like all the stuff he's doing. But, um, yeah, we built a, we have a greenhouse and we have, um, it's a timber frame greenhouse that he built, I think last year and he plumbed it. He did like a normal foundation and then we plumbed it with tubes mm-hmm. for like a heated floor mm-hmm. so we can heat up the soil so that's pretty yeah. fun but you, right now how do you heat the water in the in the pipes is it like um from like running through compost or something or um no right now we have it hooked up to a diesel boiler but we want nice. to get a wood a wood burning one because yeah. diesel it's like that would be really expensive <laughs> totally totally <laughs> so we don't we ran it um this last spring to get the soil thawed. Um, and we were just kind of like seeing how well it was going to work and we were playing around with it, but we haven't really run it since then. I might try this next spring and see what it does, but 
Yeah. It's just nice to have a greenhouse because I've never had a greenhouse before. I hear in, in Alaska, you kind of like, yeah, you kind of have to have something. That so. you got to have something. Your season mm-hmm. is so short. I um, know. <laughs> what critters do you have on the property? Um, so we have two dairy cows and a beef cow and we have an Angus beef cow and then we have a Highland bull and we have two heifers right now and we just butchered, we had a Jersey bull, but we just butchered him. Um, yeah. So we have technically should have three calves Mm -hmm. every year. Um, and then we, we raise them mostly just for meat because one of my dairy cows is a Jersey Dexter cross. Mm-hmm. So she throws some decent cows like for meat wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other dairy cow is a little Jersey. She's a small producer, but I really yeah. like her because she's not cranking out six gallons a day <laughs> or more. <laughs> she just gives yeah. me, I think her peak was three gallons a day, mm-hmm. which is like perfect. Cause that's like still so much. Gallons. Yeah. Really? How big is yours? Yeah. I have no idea. Because <laughs> oh, mine's really mine's pretty small. I think she has smaller genetics for whatever reason. But I, I thought yours you looked pretty big. She's tall. Yeah, she's pretty tall. Mm-hmm. I would say that. Like, do you call it withers on a cow? Like when you, stand, I don't know, same as on a horse. Like when I stand by her back shoulder mm-hmm. or back, her withers probably comes up to my shoulder. Maybe she's short. Yeah, I don't know. Um, no, that's probably about right. Yeah, she's good size. Um, and do you have any birds, chickens or whatever? Um, yeah. So we raise meat chickens every year, and then um, I have a turkey and like I don't know, seventeen laying hens right now. But they're this new heritage breed, which I can't even tell you what they are. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I was like, what are those? <laughs> I can't remember. I got them from somebody who bred them here locally and I was looking for a decent cross that would give me eggs. And then when they were done giving me eggs would be decent size for butchering. Yeah. And I really like, they look really nice. They're big and plump and they're super healthy looking, but I've been fermenting their food with milk and whey. And so I don't know if that has contributed, but their feathers are super soft. I think it is like, contributing. Man, these chickens. When you and I were comparing feed for when we both did Freedom Rangers, um, your birds are going through less feed because of the milk. Like there's a lot of protein in that. Yeah. And then when you and you don't have stuff, to give them water. That was like the best part is yeah. they did not go through water as fast, and I hate filling yeah, the water. Bird, yeah, I know me too. I don't know why it's such a tedium, but yeah, these birds will go through water and. You're probably like us, like everybody has all these cool watering gadgets that they hook up to hoses and stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, but what if you're still hauling water by hand with a bucket? <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. I go bucket it from the pond. Yeah. <laughs> that's how so I do every it. little bit that you're not hauling uh, makes a difference. Um, yeah. And then do you have a dog? You have a dog? Yeah. Yeah. I have a standard poodle <laughs> named nice. Loki. I want to get a livestock dog. At some Ooh. point, but I just don't really want to deal with a puppy right now. Maybe when I come to Alaska or something. Yeah, that would be awesome. So you had... Yes. Hmm? Were you going to say something? Oh, I was going to say, um, 
And then we just put in hay fields nice. this year. And so next year we'll probably won't be haying it. We'll just cut it and let it die back on mm-hmm. itself mm-hmm. for nutrition. And then um, the next year, hopefully we'll be able to put up our own hay for, we don't really want a ton of cows. We're just trying to be sustainable for ourselves. Right. So I think we have an acre or two acres of mm-hmm. hay fields. You get a lot of I'm not positive. Out. Yeah. So if you do, I, I think our idea was to hay the first cutting and then let them graze the second <clears throat> so then they can walk we'll rotate them and let them yeah. fertilize it and do their yeah. thing but my husband's like i spent so much time putting in that hay field he's like i don't want cows on it and this is my runway for my airplane yeah is that <laughs> what like, he's using for the runway is the hay field <laughs> yeah he's well he uses it for his powered parachute right now but yeah. he's got plans of getting a small airplane in the future and so that's the main reason yeah. That he wanted to put it in was that. And I'm like the side bonus of like, I want to feed my cows. <laughs> There's that too. Um, yeah. You guys, he does hunting too, right? Right. So you guys yeah. supplement with that. Yeah. So we got a moose this year, mm-hmm. actually right on our property. Nice. And so that was nice. But yeah, he likes to go on long hunts, like out of service across what we call across Kachemek Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll go like goat hunting over there and stuff like that, but goat hunting. Uh, yeah, he'll like go. Wild goats. Yeah. But you have to have tags and all that. So of course. depends on if he draws one, but, um, he usually would go across the inlet for a couple of weeks across cook inlet. Um, and yeah, he just kind of hangs out over there and has some crazy stories when he comes back, <laughs> but yeah, he's pretty good. So we usually get something every year. So would you say that, like, between hunting, raising uh, produce, raising feed for livestock, and raising livestock, do you, what percentage of what hits your plate in a week, would you say, probably comes from your own productivity? Mm, I would say 90% to, I mean, unless you're not counting grain because I buy grain to mill for my bread but usually when we eat it's just yeah it's not a huge percentage of your food so no usually yeah so usually when we eat it's usually honestly lately it's just been whatever meat dish and then um I'll do fermented vegetables of some Mm -hmm. sort Mm -hmm. because it's easy (laughs) it's just like really fast like Mm -hmm. fry up a steak and then put some sauerkraut with it and then a piece of sourdough bread or whatever but uh yeah so I would say that's actually crazy I've never thought about it but yeah I guess we're close to about probably 90 percent now so that's cool yeah maybe not all year long Uh but I definitely never buy meat at the store except for bacon I do buy bacon Mm -hmm we don't have our own pigs or anything and i haven't and spent any energy bacon, sourcing so i know right so i have to <laughs> th- i find like pig? the cleanest we used to have um cooney coons mm. and they're just like a, i don't know we probably just haven't figured out the best way to grow them i've heard that they're really amazing i don't know if it's because we have a short season here they don't do well but they 
are really slow growing and then they tend to just have a lot of lard. So they're more yeah. of like a yeah. lard pig, which yeah. I'm fine with. Uh-huh. I'm, yeah. But I mean, the pork chops on them were like so tiny. So <laughs> yeah, what we ended cool. up doing is we ended up just um, taking them and having them saw- band sawed in half. And then we would just like smoke a quarter at a time. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. When we just have Allison that all week, reading, <laughs> when we're reading chewing the fat, then and then when I read uh, when I read Lark Rice the Candle for so two um, two books about raising, you know, the their own pigs or two books that where they raise their own pigs, they both basically said that like you raise the pig for the lard, and like yeah, there's some meat, but that wasn't really. What they were going oh for. really mm-hmm. they're raising it for the fat because that's your maximum <clears throat> calories right there you know mm-hmm. and you could get so much like mm-hmm. as opposed to rendering tallow yeah or beef fat yeah you i don't feel like you end up with a whole bunch but you could get a ton of lard ton. to set you up for like the year yeah that's a good point so i want to know uh when I know not every day goes as we plan, <laughs> but on your, yeah. I, I'll use the word typical day. Maybe I'll say like ideal day on your, the way you like your days to go. How does your day go? You've got twins. They were, oh my gosh, watching you doing chores all last winter. That was crazy. Um, so you're doing chores when, and it's dark. <laughs> so tell me about <laughs> yeah. how your day looks doing all the chores and the cooking and things with three littles. Um, so I, we get up and then I just have them fed. I used to do the milking before they woke up. So I would go milk cows at like six and then come in and do breakfast and everything. And then we would move on with our day. Mm -hmm. But I was just like dreading it. And I was just, I don't know. It was becoming this thing where I would, my alarm would go off and I was like, oh, I have to go straight to milking cows right now. Right. And so then I was just like, instead of burning out, why don't I just change the time and bring the kids with me and it's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah. So now, now we have breakfast and then I, um, get them all dressed up and I eat, well, the twins are two now. So I just let them walk around and they come into the barn with me and they're like in and out and they go outside and play and whatever. And then, um, Lila is four. So she likes to help and she's, interested in milking the cow now and stuff like that but um when they were younger I would just like last winter I would just bundle them up and put them in the stroller I had a double stroller and I would just push them through the snow and then push them into the barn and they would just hang out and watch and then Lila would just kind of play around and stuff but yeah I mean you just kind of gotta do it (laughs) but yeah, you don't um, have any options. It's fun. But it was pretty pretty insane watching you take him out through all the snow, like in so many layers of clothing and stuff. Yeah, like in a um, blizzard at night. Yeah. That was fun. What a time, what a time. But I'm really thankful that I have a barn now though. I used to milk outside. Hmm. And this is the first time I've had a barn. How so that's would you been milk awesome. outside in Alaska? I'm not understanding that. Um, Ashton built me a stanchion that had like a little roof over it, but it didn't have any walls or anything. So if it was windy or cold, if that was, <laughs> it was nice. Cause I got to watch the sunrise. And so I kind of missed that, but, that nice. um, 
is definitely harder. <laughs> when does the sun come up for you? We'll say like December around the like my second part when it gets so dark. It probably gets it probably gets light around um eight or nine, but I, I think at its peak of like winter when we don't get a lot of sun, I think the sun barely comes up over the mountains for a few hours a day. Mm-hmm. So the sun probably comes above the mountains around 10. Okay, that could be off, but wow. um and then it goes back down behind the mountains probably around three. Mm-hmm. And then it gets dark around five. Okay. So So is I'm curious, <laughs> is that um hard to cope with? Um like mentally? Does it get wearing? Um like strategies. I feel like it's harder to get up in the morning when it's really dark. Uh-huh. Um, and then for whatever reason, January and February really hit me hard mm-hmm. because it's yeah. just like, it's finally the lack of sunlight has finally caught up to mm-hmm. me. And I tend to hit like a wall of depression and anxiety and all that right yeah. in there, which I'm trying to yeah. deal with ahead of time. Get ahead of. Yeah. I would say the same yeah. over here. I always feel like January and February is, just, I mean, there's, there's no festivals, there's no holidays, <laughs> nice big holidays to look forward to. I always used yeah. to say, why couldn't we have Christmas at the end of January? So at least you had that much time to look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it gets to you. Yeah. Do you love oats? Want to try your hand at a traditional Scottish oat fermentation? Suens is just that. It was made in Scotland for centuries and will give you both a creamy, easy-to-digest porridge and a tangy probiotic drink. My video course, Suens, the Scottish Oat Ferment, over at the Fermentation School, will guide you through everything you need to know to create these two ancestral foods in your own kitchen, no matter what equipment you have. Head to ancestralkitchen.com forward slash Suens ancestralkitchen.com forward slash Suans, S-O-W-A-N-S, or click the link in the show notes to get a 10% discount automatically applied. Uh, so, so you, you have three little kids, you raise a lot of food. I want to talk about feeding kids uh, for a little bit. So first off, just tell me some of the meals or plates that you guys like, like, do you typically eat you know, the egg and cheese situation you talked about or something, or just, just throw down mm-hmm. a couple of things that people might want to. Um, yeah, we typically will eat, like I said, just like a protein meat of some sort. And vegetables usually fermented lately it's usually sauerkraut or i have a bunch of fermented pickles oh yum or something like that mm-hmm. um so we eat a lot of steak which i used to feel weird about but i'm realizing that that's not true why do you feel weird about <laughs> it because i had this like idea that we shouldn't be eating red meat every day oh. <laughs> and i was like yeah not and i remember weird. ashton being like it's <laughs> fine like we can eat and he, and I was always like on his case, like, we can't, you can't eat red meat every day. And then 
now I'm like, well, we can, and that's awesome because we have a lot of it. We can, and we may, we will, we, we do, can, and we, and we will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So steak, some fermented veg. I'm loving this. Yeah. Um, and then we'll do. I like to do soups a lot, so I'll make broth. Um, if like I roast a chicken, then I'll make a chicken soup the next day with it. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, like if I don't like yesterday, I had no idea what I was going to make for dinner. And I looked in my refrigerator and I had a bunch of broth meat stock that I had made. And then I had just harvested pumpkins. And so I made a pumpkin soup, I guess with ginger and, and then I added pork kidneys to it (laughs) for effect. Like, yeah, but it was actually really good. Blended or. Like a stew oh, or- I pureed it all. Yeah, I pureed it. And then I added, I think I added some coconut milk and it was a little bit spicy. And then I added um, the sauteed kidney and bacon and then topped it with cheese. So you left like the, the fresh meat cheese. Yep, I've pureed it and then yeah. sauteed the meat and then added it. I don't know why. I should have just boiled, like cooked the meat in the soup, but oh, I don't for know. Some reason. This sounds really good because when you saute meat, you get all those different flavors. Yeah, so that's kind of what I was thinking. So I sauteed it first and then threw it in there and then just so that there was something else and not just vegetables happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So I'll make soup a lot and I guess I'm getting pretty crafty with like what are we gonna have for dinner and just figuring looking in the refrigerator and figuring things out so um Mm -hmm. make a lot of stews um but yeah it's usually just kind of what I have on hand and a lot of times I'm like oh I forgot to take meat out like what am I gonna make Ah. and I'm learning I'm learning that organs thaw out super fast so why is that because there's such a high percentage I don't I don't know, but liver and kidneys thaw out super fast. I'm sure heart doesn't as much, but I had pork um, hearts, and those are small, so yeah. they thawed out. And then chicken hearts, they thaw out really fast. Yeah. So all, like I've been making that, too. Yeah, so that's my, been pretty handy. The beef heart that I made this past week, I think, for two days mm-hmm. um, It did? Well, I wasn't. I I took it out with a bunch of other pieces of meat and just threw it in a cooler with no lid on it and set it on the table. And Mm -hmm. like I checked two days later, like it's still frozen. (laughs) Oh, so why? Why are you not just getting? um, Like, why not? I say this. Why not just go to the grocery store and get cases of pop tarts and boxes of cereal? and um things that we know kids love (laughs) Uh (laughs) um why are you cooking kidneys for breakfast and um, raising beef cows and things like that um i actually don't know really how it started because i did (laughs) not grow up on a farm or anything my parents both came from that background but it was never really a part of our life at all my mom canned but we'd like go to the um farms and she would pick a bunch of stuff or buy a bunch of stuff and she would do bulk canning but she wouldn't do it consistently every year it was like she would just get a wild hair and she'd be like oh we can a bunch this year um and she did garden but um other than that there was no animals or anything like that and uh 
I don't know, we bought our first property and then, um, I ended up with a dairy cow and then it just kind of spiraled from there. And then I just, the more that I learned, the more I wanted to, um, I was kind of, I think I actually said this to you once. I was like, I wonder where I'm going to find like where I settle. And I stopped being like, nope, I don't want to do that anymore. Nope. I'm going to start doing this. And, um, so it just keeps growing. And then after I had the twins, um, Charlotte, my girl twin, she had, she was having an aversion to when I drank dairy, when I drank raw milk and I was milking a cow mm. at the time. And I was just like, well, that's not going to fly. <laughs> like, <laughs> this yeah. And I, um, I think around that time I actually discovered Weston A. Price. I was looking for, I don't know what I commented somewhere about something about probiotics and this girl on Instagram messaged me and she like recommended smidge probiotics. And then she said, you should look into Weston A. Price if you haven't. And all. And so then I did. And I was like, oh, this is great. I want to do this. And I looked up like all the requirements to follow this diet, like what they did. And I was like, oh, we're already doing all this. So and so there. I was like super pumped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all only thing we're not doing is cod liver oil and Oregon meats. And so then I added those things in. But anyways, so that was kind of a tangent. But uh, we started GAPS for the twins. And so then from there, my like knowledge just grew. And then seeing it firsthand heal my daughter from reflux was pretty powerful. And um, yeah, I just don't, I've just learned a lot. And I, I learned a lot through reading that book and just seeing how sick everybody is nowadays, like kids dealing with illnesses and food allergies everywhere. And just what I learned through reading the GAPS book, I was like, yeah, why would I give my kid any of that stuff? Like if I have a choice not to. Um, and then thankfully we were already on this path and then all this stuff happened with COVID and now it's becoming like a kind of a real scenario where we might need to start figuring some of this out mm -hmm. better for ourselves. And it's just nice to know where your food comes from because everything's so... I'm, I don't know. Money's just like ruined everything. And it's so people obscured are just, all the sources yeah. and the reasons and the things. Just, and you can't trust anything anymore. Uh -huh. It's like, okay, what does organic even mean now? And um, yeah, everything's packaged in plastic. And so like, that's another thing I'm trying to minimize, but it's like almost impossible mm -hmm. to get rid of it. I mean, it is impossible. Let's be real. There's no way to get rid of it <laughs> in your life. <laughs> um, so like those kinds of things. I've just, I don't know. We've just decided that this is kind of a priority for us. And I feel like as a mom, I have a strong conviction of that um, setting my kids up to succeed and setting them up to not have a life of maybe illness or yeah. dealing with a dairy intolerance, if I can prevent it, um, which I'm so thankful that I came across gaps and did this for my daughter because she was healed probably within six months. Yeah. She was able to have, like, she couldn't have anything. She couldn't have ghee. She couldn't have. Yeah. I remember it was awful for you. Yeah. And it was really stressful. Yeah. I was just like, because I was used to having such a healthy first, like, Lila was so healthy and mm -hmm. never had any issues. She didn't even have a cold. I remember when she was like, 
three, she was like, something's coming out of my nose. And like, she didn't, she like, didn't know what a runny nose was. I mean, she's had runny noses, but like not enough to the point where she remembered and was realizing like, I need to go blow my nose. And so then I have these twins that were not as durable, I guess. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) they weren't as hardy. (laughs) Um, I was just like, yeah. Anyways, I'm really glad I did it because from my what I've learned in my research that the longer it goes, like the harder it's going to be yeah. to heal it. Absolutely. I mean, it might heal on its own. Right. It right. could. Yeah. That's and I've also it's... learned that mm-hmm. um, people say, people say, oh, they'll probably just grow out of it or they grew out of it. And I was like, I don't think it's growing out. I think it's their body probably healing or adapting in some way mm-hmm. or maybe like hiding that. So it shows up later in life worse. I don't know. Yeah. But I hear, I heard, I'm trying to remember who said this, but that I think it was when I was reading about gaps somewhere and they said a healthy body and healthy digestive system should be able to handle um, mm-hmm. pretty much anything. Um, yeah. Not toxins per se, synthetic man-made things, but um if you have a gazillion allergies, then the idea is some you're not a broken thing, but something needs to be corrected. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because we just have this idea, oh, I can't have, I'm allergic to whatever, which obviously that is very much reality when somebody's allergic to something. But nobody really opens a conversation about let's heal that. Mm-hmm. which is crazy. I know. Everybody just thinks it's like how you are. And, and I'm not <laughs> necessarily even saying that like everything can be healed. I'm just saying um, mm-hmm. it's not even put on the table. It's just, well, mm-hmm. I did this strip test on your um, back and now you have to avoid avocados and um, rice forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, go eat a yeah, <laughs> I know. It's really weird. It's really interesting. And the other thing that or I be on medication. Yeah, that's sad. But that's just the idea of, you know, having customers for life. Um yep. when, that's another topic. Yeah, another <laughs> topic or another day. When you said that you discovered Weston A. Price and knowing what you were already eating, I think we were talking at this time even. And you were already mm-hmm. pretty much doing everything. Um that is one of the things I love about ancestral food is wherever you are in the world, you can do it because you, it's all literally something you can grow yourself. None of it requires, um, store-bought things. And I think we make it mm-hmm. complicated when we're like, how do I make a sprouted, organic, freshly ground, fermented sourdough, uh, pop tart, you know, how do I make that at mm-hmm. home? It's like, yeah, but that's not really necessary. Like, sure, if you really want to recreate that experience, there's probably a way Mm -hmm. to kind of make it fit the bill. But it's more like what you said. We have a protein. We have some fermented veg. um, I had some eggs and cheese. We made a stew. We ate that for three days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's more of it. Yeah. Really. Being on. Yeah. Being on gaps is not. I don't feel like it's sustainable if you're going to be bending over backwards to make these special crackers no like all those fancy paleo yeah diet things yeah and you're just like how 
like why? Like I get if you <laughs> if you were eating doing gaps at the time of you got married and you wanted to just make a cake of some version. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I see that, but like for the everyday, it just makes it unsustainable. Yeah, I made a cake for the twins' first birthday. Yeah. That was like gaps appropriate, but but yeah, it's just a lot of effort and then crackers just get like pounded so fast so then it's gone and then <laughs> this is the only fast food you can have <laughs> yeah and so i just realized that we just were gonna have to adapt the way we were eating yeah or i was that's anyways. totally <laughs> my family didn't that's such a my... good point adapt we have to mm-hmm. adapt the way we're eating because you think oh i can't have seed oils i need to have more fats and my grains need to be sprouted and fermented and you know maybe even mm-hmm. preferably fresh ground so then you think oh my gosh, how am I going to make all the food I like that? that? I was like, well, you might not. Mm-hmm. Might. Yeah. Or you might. just have to realize you can't eat bread. I think that's <laughs> where, where we look back at our ancestors and we're like, how did they do it? You know, but they ate more of a monophagous diet. They ate, they didn't have diverse things from all over the globe, like avocados and pineapples and bananas and steak at one meal. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That's true. Righto. So I this is something you and I started talking about on Instagram the other day. And I just wanted to like stop memoing you back and forth and call you on the phone and be like, can we just talk about this, please? But talking <laughs> yeah. about teaching your kids to love and understand the principles of the way we're eating so that they don't ideally grow up and just instantly say well thank god i'm out of mom's house now i'm just gonna have yeah <laughs> cornflakes oh my gosh by the way i don't know if you've seen on azure they have this like barbara's or something organic cornflakes so i uh-huh. got some of those adelaide didn't know what they were so she was like may i please have some more of the snowflakes <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. It's <laughs> adorable. She doesn't know. I was like, oh, of course you can. It was fun though. But um Yeah. Um how do we do that? Like, I'm seriously asking you, like, how do we do that? Do we I I don't know. <laughs> I think yeah, about it's it like indoctrination a little bit. Like like we're indoctrinating them into our way of like yeah like intentionally how we raise them like actively yeah propagandizing them but um telling them <laughs> why i'm doing it like well this uh-huh they're seeing this is better for the animal how do you feel how do we feel and not using um like poverty mindset language to say um well that's going to make you fat or that's going to make you sick or whatever but just saying doesn't this make us feel so good don't we this one doesn't this make us strong you know Kind of teach them to love. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts on that? I want to know. Um, well, with Lila, with my four-year-old, I try and tell her about the benefits that it's doing for her body. Mm-hmm. Like the other day, she was having she was talking about Charlotte being so pretty. And I had given her some broth. Charlotte was drinking broth, and Lila had a cup too. And I was like, Well, you know, Lila, I was like, broth is really good for your skin. <laughs> And she's like, it is. And then she just like starts drinking her broth. But yeah, but um, no, I mean, I just try and when there's an opportunity to inform her about like what the food does for her body, like just 
playfully saying like broth is actually really good for your skin. And, um, Mm -hmm. the other day she was trying to see in the dark and I was like, your liver really helps you see in the dark. She's like, it does. That's why cats (laughs) eat it. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think that's probably common. I think a lot of people use that tactic with their kids, but, um, I don't know. Everybody says not to have, not to have like stressful meal times and not to like force your kids and just offer them what you're having and they can choose to eat it or not. And Mm -hmm. That's all their choices. Um, so in our house, we don't. What we're having is what we're having. No, um, we don't have. We literally don't. Have, people say, "Oh, you know, um, like you said, give them, let them eat what you're eating, or you know, don't make seven different meals." I'm like, I couldn't. Like, I literally couldn't. Mm-hmm. This is what we have, and I'm not soaking, sprouting, or thawing something else. Like, I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, that's kind of how, what we do. And then I, I'm just trying to teach her about it. And then she asked me about things in the store and I'm trying to be, um, graceful with how I explain those things because she's starting to say, Oh, why does that person's mom give them this? And why are they, why are they eating chips? My mom said that if you hate your kids, then you feed them this. And you're like, I'm like, no, that's not what I said. So we were actually at the store and she saw a little boy having some chips. His grandma gave him some chips or something. And she was like, why? She said something about like why he was getting chips. And I was like, you know, that person knows what's best for their child in that moment. And I know what's best for my child. And I choose Mm -hmm. different things for you. And honestly, truly, I don't know the scenario. Maybe that kid eats great at home and... Mm -hmm that mom or grandma was having a rough go and was like, have some chips. Yeah, <laughs> like I need to not freak out on you right now. And if that's what it takes and that's what it takes, like we don't know the whole picture. And so I don't want to teach her, you know, to immediately just judge people based on that kind of thing. So I'm trying to balance that. Yeah. So it's just really hard being a, <laughs> a mom and trying to figure yeah. out how do I not ruin them? <laughs> how do I not give you a complex? How do I not give mm-hmm. you the same disorders that I had? How do I? <laughs> yeah. How do I well, not and, teach you to idolize something that shouldn't be an idol? Yeah, and the, so with gaps, it's been tough because I was so strict with the twins, and then I kind of like fell into this, like no more processed food, no more this, no more that, and. I was, it was starting to cause tension because Ashton would take Lila and if I didn't have my act together, I had no snack to send her with and yeah, he, yeah. she would come home and tell me all the stuff she had. And I was mm-hmm. like, why are you doing this? Like, wait till I bring her home and I can feed her or whatever. And I don't know. We just started realizing that it was just becoming a thing. And the whole point of gaps isn't to be super rigid your whole life. It's mm-hmm. to heal what you need to heal. And then you can have... Like, you know, for the most part, you want to eat well. Um, But the point is, is that you can have like those things and you're not going to have a crazy reaction to it or. Because you have the cast on your gut. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can eat the poisonous berry by accident and it'll pass through you. (laughs) Yeah. Ideally, survival. Yeah. So I I don't know. I don't. the, The freaking out on or saying that grandma gave him chips because she's a bad grandma or um, how could you possibly have eaten that when you're out is where it 
like I don't know why I think of food in turn like in religion terms <laughs> but like uh-huh. that's where it becomes a cult and instead of mm-hmm. the devotion and piety of loving something and saying well um I love this so much that I eat it and that makes me feel so unwell that I avoid it mm-hmm. like that's like food piety <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is I don't want, so I've been realizing I'm kind of coming out of that. And also like postpartum hormones did not oh, help. MG. And like everything else. Postpartum was... hormones like doubled with twins. I mean, get less <laughs> sleep. And... I don't know. They're two and I feel like I'm still dealing with it. So yeah. And when, know. what, what season were they born in? Like summer? October. Oh my gosh. So They're going into in the, the winter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's wild. So I think I'm kind of like coming out of and looking back on, um, I don't want Lila to learn or I don't want my kids to learn. And I don't want to focus so much on what we're eating. That's becoming, like you said, an idol and we're putting our salt, putting our food up on this pedestal. Like I have to only eat this and I have to eat this way. And I can't have any of that because like, I want to be the strongest and you know, like we're not going to live forever and what? <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to live forever. And I, I don't want our, my, I don't want to be teaching my daughter that our physical bodies are above, um, like fellowship or sharing a meal with it's somebody, spiritual. even if it's not right. 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 I see that. And yeah. And so when I've been thinking a bit about like, if she leave, when my kids grow up and they leave the house, if they're not going to eat like this or whatever, um, honestly, I'm like, it's not the end of the world. I would be much more happy if they were just good human beings and they had kind hearts and, you know, were able to be kind to people because we're here to like serve. We're not here yeah. to serve ourselves. We're here to like share God's love and to serve each other. We're not living for ourselves where we're not supposed to be, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, and so I feel like if you are going to go to somebody's house with like a Tupperware of food um, because you're so hung up on like, what are they going to be serving me? And you're so hung up on, I have to eat this way just because I don't know, maybe if it's for health reasons, then that's one thing. Like if you're going through some healing or whatever, then that's completely different. But if you're just like really hung up on your diet that you can't share a meal with somebody and it makes them uncomfortable. Like they don't want to invite you over because they don't know how to cook for you and that kind of thing. Then, I mean, I feel like it's kind of defeating the purpose. <laughs> cost you in the, well, food is very much a social thing for humans. We're a lot like cows. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we talked, I mean, Allison talked about this. I don't remember when on some episode, I don't remember if it was Patreon episode or regular main podcast feed, but how companion means with bread, like the person you braid, break bread with mm-hmm. is your companion and mm-hmm. we like a recognized disorder is not being able to eat in front of people or with people you know we're just kind of made to eat with each other um, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah so I guess I guess my at home I'll feed my children a certain way um and then I'm just trying to let go of the rest like I'll do the best that I can 
but I mean, I, I say this and I still struggle with it. <laughs> like oh, yeah. I still cringe. I know. Me too. I know. And I'm like, oh, you I'm think you're fine with it work. until somebody actually offers in something and you're like, actually, I, ah, that does. <laughs> well, I guess I would say things like candy and things that are unnecessary. I mm-hmm. have no problem saying like, no, my totally kid can't have that. Yeah. But like a meal that's not maybe, you know, what I would make or something. I'm not going to say. Sour Patch oh, Kids. No, she can't. Because... <laughs> no, but yeah. really, Allison and I were talking about how um, when somebody was saying to her, I don't remember exactly what it was, something about, you know, how she was cooking specifically foods for her and um, Rob and Gabe when they were um, in England. And then she said, well, kind of, I don't know if people were saying something or if she just sort of felt like, you know, they wondered why she was being so picky. But I was, she was like, I guess I'm just picky or whatever. And I was like, well, I don't know. Everybody has a line. Like they have a line too. You might say, yeah, we literally have Sour Patch Kids in a bowl with Pepsi poured over the top for breakfast every day. But then if you Uh offer their kid um, cocaine, they're going to be like, stop. And I'm, don't think that I'm comparing cocaine and sugar because of the whole molecular thing. I'm not, I'm just saying like they have a line too Mm -hmm. and you'll hit it at some point. Maybe it's different than yours or farther down than yours. Um, but where do you feel like right. that? Remember, remember we were trying to hash this out the other day on Instagram. Yeah. Like, where is that line for you? I always think, oh yeah, I'm pretty casual about it. You know, we eat everything, like you said, at home. And then when I go out, but then I go out and somebody's like, I have a Twinkie. And I'm like, I can't, like we can't. Um, so then I find I do have a line. I just didn't. I just yeah. Sometimes that those things are out there. Yeah, I would say um, my line is probably those kinds of things, like snacks and unnecessary yes. filler That's foods. A good category. But, um, like if somebody's makes you, if somebody made you a burger, meat from the grocery store, and like a store bought bun, are you gonna eat it or are you gonna be like, no, I would eat it. Okay. Just because I wouldn't be kind and the, like the comes back totally. to the whole point of like, yeah. we're here to love each other. We're not here to like turn our nose up at what somebody else is offering us. We're just to be thankful and grateful and <laughs> like, yeah. And share in that fellowship. And I don't, yeah. I don't think our bodies are so weak that we can't handle, you know? Yeah. And if you can't, like then that. you'll know, and then you'll come back next to me and be like, well, as it happens, mm-hmm. I had diarrhea today, so <laughs> I can't do that. So I brought my Tupperware. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the more, correct me if I'm wrong from your perspective, but I feel like observing you and, and also knowing with myself this, the more firmly rooted and confident and comfortable and in a good place you are with your own food the easier it is to say that um mm-hmm. because the easier, it is to s- the easier it is to say that you would eat it is that what yeah you're saying? I feel like the easier to say yeah I'm okay with allowing the rules to be bent every once in a while because I know that for the most part we're getting what we need mm-hmm. um 
and the other good thing I guess is that I don't know if this is the same up in Alaska but down here it certainly is the more time you spend in the community like this the I mean the majority of people's houses we go through on a frequent basis they pretty much eat the same way similar so it's not yeah based with that question a lot yeah and that yeah that was the other thing I was going to say is most people that we associate with are that we're friends with and you know kind of similar mindsets and the similar line of things but which again and you can kind of think about it in the terms of religion again is not to say that you're like oh sorry I only hang out with people who think like this that's the cult but Mm -hmm. it's just that the more time you spend in it those people emerge as resources for you and the network builds through that like oh this is Mm -hmm. the guy I get milk from this is the guy I get beef from this is the gal I get chickens from you know and then they become your friends because you see them all the time Mm -hmm. kind of creates its own circle there yeah and it's that's another hard issue is having community with when you live this lifestyle because there's not very many people doing it anymore and i i find i get a lot of put more pushback than i do support really of like what yeah why are you putting so much on your plate why are you doing all this with like your little kids and why don't you just get rid of the milk cows and and like all those things have occurred to me and crossed my mind but i'm also Mm -hmm. like why is there so many people who don't want to like who prioritize other things because it's right all comes down because to what you're prioritizing when you're like why don't you yeah. quit your job like, why don't Only you, you do it with me yeah yeah <laughs> well, why don't you prioritize this and like realize that what we're feeding our children at this age is setting them up for life and and that's the other thing where it's hard for me because i know that these are like very important years for like brain development and growth and all that and teeth. And, and so I definitely prioritize it. And my husband sometimes doesn't even understand. Like he's telling me right now, he's like, it's time to dry up the cows. He's like, I'm over it. Like, I I think I said to you, like, well, if, if the, if the cow or the farm or anything were to come between you guys or me and Gary or something it's right like, get rid of it like it would go mm-hmm. um yeah just because like you said there's things that are more important but or there's other ways yeah. to get it if you need to but in a way for you and me it's like well if we're prioritizing eating this way then if you get rid of all those things now you and me need to get a part-time job to pay for yeah. the increased cost of buying this from someone else <laughs> yeah all that shit. Yeah, that, and I'm also like, what? Yeah, I know. I'm sure there's like a million other things I could do, though. Because I'm always like, well, then what would I do? <laughs> I always wonder what other people do. They like, what are other moms but see, that's not doing? Their price, so we can't do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm sure they're all equally busy, but they just have different ways of raising their children. Totally. And, like, I have a friend in Washington who homeschools her kids, and I've like gone to her as my mentor for so many things in parenting and she's like very scheduled and organized and she actually had a stroke during a surgery so she was like partially paralyzed and been healing and recovering from that so she's got a ton going on and she doesn't have a farm or any of that stuff but she is super busy and she's like doing a great job raising her kids so it's like they're definitely different versions of how we spend our time and prioritize our time but yeah but yeah, I do. Sometimes I do wonder that. I'm like, what do other people do? <laughs> what is your... 
Hey there, thank you for being a listener of the Ancestral Kitchen podcast. It means so much to Allison and I when you post a review on Apple or Spotify or share about the podcast in your stories or send us a message and let us know what it means to you, which is hopefully something good. You can also sponsor the podcast through our Patreon account and help Rob buy weird gadgets to edit out my coughs and microphone bumps in the background. We have a variety of different levels you can choose from and a bunch of different benefits you can enjoy, ranging from additional interviews to video content and downloadable goodies. Check it out at patreon.com slash ancestral kitchen podcast. <laughs> By the way, I looked but... up just now. What do you call Chev from a goat? I mean, from a cow. And oh, yeah. You looked it up. It said. Like. Bove. Bovra. Bo- yeah yeah that's what i wanted to say yeah. something like bover or but something like bovine so like, oh, are bovine but um goats and cows are both from the bovidae families i don't know where the chef comes from Just you would know somebody, something like that somebody trying to <laughs> what family they come from somebody i told trying you to sound french <laughs> has some bovra cheese <laughs> um yeah that's funny we each have these weird little obscure informations don't we uh okay i'm gonna um do a few rapid fire questions for you okay uh top way to eat liver top way to eat it like your favorite for you specifically um pate if i'm gonna eat it cooked Mm -hmm. but i usually just do it raw and swallow it Uh uh-huh and you cut chunks, like a biggish chunk that will last you maybe three days in the freezer and cook them on a sheet pan. Or, or yeah, <laughs> I freeze them. Okay. I freeze them and then, um, yeah, and then I just pull out a steak and cut it up. But usually the twins love liver, and so I'm usually giving most of it to them. Cooked or raw? So I just cut out raw. Uh-huh. They eat it. Like, I give it to them partially frozen, and then they just like chewing on chewing it and it. stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Lila swallows it now. Oh, good for her. She does it with Yeah. Yeah. That's how we do it. Um, favorite thing to make out of raw cream? Butter. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> Butter and sour cream. <laughs> yeah. Favorite thing to make out of skimmed milk? Um, I make that chev out of it, actually. That's your favorite? Yeah. Yeah. And yogurt. And yogurt. Yeah. Um, top for mint. Veg wise, sauerkraut, favorite fermented drink, mm-hmm. uh, kombucha, mm-hmm. probably. Is there an organ you don't love working with? Um, the spleen's pretty gross. <laughs> Taste wise or working with wise? Taste wise. Oh, actually, tongue. I just did tongue for the first time, mm-hmm. and I was like. Well, it was the smell after I like cleaned it and boiled it and all that. It had this distinct smell. It tasted okay, probably. Yeah, I feel like it had and then the next like day, that. yeah, the next day though, I'm milking the cows and one of them was breathing over my <laughs> no, shoulder, and I no. and I was like, "What is that familiar smell?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's her tongue." <laughs> it was so Fantastic. weird. I was like, "Um, I know what that is." Have you cooked or eaten brain? I have not. I want to try that next, though. But Ashton yeah. wasn't into figuring out how to harvest it this time. <laughs> I mean, all all good. Fair enough. Um, 
favorite hot drink after you've been outside doing chores? Um, I'll have either broth or um, I'll warm up some milk with uh, egg yolk and some honey. Yeah, that sounds really good. Make like a little steamer situation. And last question of the interview. What is your hope for the future of your farm? Um, I don't really know. <laughs> I, I, I hope that we can continue to grow and I, I don't think we'll ever have a ton of cows or anything like that. I think we'll probably just stay small scale to support our own needs. But, um, I don't know. I hope my kids like it. I hope my kids don't run for the hills as soon as they're old enough. I hope that mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. come back and want to be a part of it. I think this is our forever property, but being married to Ashton, I <laughs> never know. He's There's threats of selling out and buying a sailboat. <laughs> He's like, let's just sell this place. You know how much this place is worth now? Let's just sell it and buy a sailboat. Oh, yeah. We can retire. I'm like, I don't I know. I he thinks. It's so, so awesome. So impulsive. Yeah. I love that. So this hopefully is... be here, though. Yeah. I love it. This is freaking awesome, Amanda. I hope yeah, that we get to do this fun. again. I mean, you and me need to do this whether we're recording it or not, because it is kind of fun to I talk know. to more than 60 second interviews. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to throw out here? Can you also tell us where we can find you online? Um, I'm on Instagram and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your Instagram? Keep it my whole 300 followers on lock. <laughs> um, I think it's Manda K. Uh-huh. I don't even know. <laughs> I just feel like Manda. I mean, I, Man- I think it's Manda AK Callahan. It's Manda something like that. K underscore Callahan, I think. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Right I think I was trying to be clever and throw in an AK for Alaska, and my middle name is Catherine. Hey, Ryko. <laughs> yes, Manda K underscore Callahan. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes too. Um, I'll, I can put Ashton's in there too. Awesome. Yeah, he's... well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. This has been really fun. Yeah uh yeah all right well until next time i'm gonna stop recording and (laughs) it'll be good (laughs) okay i'll see you later all right bye thank you so much for listening we'd love to continue the conversation come find us on instagram andrea's at farm and hearth and allison's at ancestral underscore kitchen Until next time, we both wish you much fun exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen.